Welcome to my podcast, In the Driver's Seat. My name is Sonia Driver and I'm the founder of EcoTan, an Australian organic clean beauty company. Come with a curious mind and an open heart and hopefully it will leave you with a gift. I'll be inviting inspiring and fascinating people into the driver's seat. People whom I connect with, and I believe you will too. I'll be unravelling layers of them and their story, and that's where we'll find the gold. Buckle up, it's going to be one hell of a ride. Warning, this is an explicit podcast. There is swearing. Maybe a lot. Welcome to the driver's seat. Now, listeners, I have a fabulous, fabulous woman from South Australia joining me this morning, and you are just going to love her. Your heart will be open. Her name is Emma Evans. She's an author, a mother, a motivational speaker, and a cystic fibrosis sufferer and ambassador. Now, Emma lives with a life-threatening lung disease, cystic fibrosis, and I was just chatting to her before. She's actually going into hospital today to um, have treatment. So welcome to, like, I just, it's just amazing that you're giving me your time and you're about to go into hospital. I, I, I sort Thank of feel you. guilty. I, no, it's funny hearing you um, say my, all my, my roles and my title. It's kind of exhausting. <laughs> Listening to all the things that I, um, my name's Paul Sunza. But, um, yes, I'm on the way. That Well, this morning I'll um, spend the, the day in the hospital um, unfortunately, my lungs are not doing very well at the moment. Um, and the best way to explain, I guess, why I'm having treatment is um, it's a bit like, you know, we all drive a car, most of us, and a car needs to tune up every now and then to keep it running to get the best use out of it. Um, so I guess for me at the moment, I'm in tune-up mode. And while I have had, like many of us, a very crazy year, whether that be COVID-affected or not, um, yeah, it's been almost a year and a half since I've had treatment and I can go into that with you in a minute. But normally, you know, I'd go in every three to four months and have intravenous medication for two weeks. So a year and a half is a pretty good long stint of not needing that sort of um, intensive therapy. Um, but the drugs that I'm, I'm about to have put on, on me, I'll have a needle attached to my side. Uh, I've got an ear support which just sits under my skin and the side of my chest. Um, and I use, I have that because my veins no longer work in my arms. So I'll have a needle in for the, the next two weeks in there. Um, and basically the drugs are very strong and they will basically kill off any infections that may be floating around within my lungs. And it will also help break down all the thick mucus. Uh, for those of you that don't know with CF, the mucus is a lot thicker and stickier than someone who doesn't have CF. So um, we need to be able to continuously treatment to keep that, that mucus out of the lungs and if we don't keep it out of the lungs then an infection will occur so for me like I said before it's been a pretty full-on year already and my body has is just exhausted and um, it's time to just have that tune up and, and get me back up on where I need to be. Wow well wow. no <laughs> honestly I, I feel deeply for you but I'm also blown away by your positive mindset because I just know even if we get a you know a cold or flu or I had a lung infection last year and um, yeah. a doctor came to my house and was hitting the back, my back to clear my lungs. Mm-hmm. So they wanted me to go to hospital and have my – and it's so fucking exhausting 
and I mm. like had a like so I cannot even imagine. So I, I just and I, I just love you and I was so felt so pathetic and sorry for myself. So I, your mindset. Oh, you know what? You can never feel. This is another thing. Maybe the way I've been brought up, but I think everybody has something that goes on in their life, and they while. Do. You're, you would have felt sorry for yourself and felt bad. And that's totally fine because we all have shit days, right? So yeah. um, we need to accept that and be okay with that. You just need to know how to pick yourself back up out of it. So you've wow. got me on my shit day and I'm still somehow talking kind of positive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah. it's okay. Mindset's so important. So you have it an is. incredible story and you really are an overcomer. And like, I, I just believe that Thank God's you. totally got his hand on you and just. Uh, miracles are really work, you know, coming through you, and and we'll get into what we're going to, you know, like you're going to help with our campaign, and you yeah. um, forget like the listeners that are listening. There's a drug that cystic fibrosis sufferers in Australia desperately need, and mm-hmm. we are going to the raise our voices, and we're about to undertake a huge campaign to um, the PM and all these other people that have mm-hmm. got their names and their social medias and they're going to never buy my product again once they think this woman's <laughs> driving me mad. But we've got to get this drug. We yeah. have to get tri- trifecta. Trifecta. Uh, well, you know what? Don't quote me on that um, because I've heard it pronounced a couple of different ways. Okay, yeah. It is definitely something that even through my um, community, you know, I'm here in South Australia and even – like growing from just SA, how much we need it? It's yeah. life changing, and it's currently three hundred thousand dollars a year for treatment. So we need to get it on the PBS, so it's more affordable. Yes. So just for the listeners, that's what we're doing. We're campaigning, and then we're going to in the show notes. We're going to put the MPs and the Prime Minister because we mm-hmm. need it to be reviewed in November. Um, mm-hmm. That's when it, it goes. Well, we want it to be reviewed in November and they've said, no, this year, no, we're not reviewing it. So that means yeah. it's another year before it gets reviewed. But, like, we actually have um, a beautiful young woman that works um, with us. She's yeah. 24 and she's got cystic fibrosis and she said on her bad days, it's like mm-hmm. breathing through a straw. Now, that's terrifying. That's like suffocating. It's just – and yeah. it's about money. Let's just get this drug. It's available in America for their citizens, let us get this drug available. For, you know, we're just going to make some real noise, Emma, and I know that it's you're re- on board yeah. with us. It's very difficult. Um, you know, I was involved in a campaign that was a three-year campaign for another drug that we finally got access to. We got a lot of knockbacks, but um, this one seems, seems to be the next sort of available thing that will help so many. And I always say it's almost like these people in power have a gun and they're holding the trigger and they can pull it, but we can't. And it's like, we've got the power to save our lives. And it's a tablet that will, you know, it's already shown so many positive um, effects and, and make huge changes, positive impact changes to people with CS lives. I don't understand why they don't allow us to just <laughs> have it. If we know it's there and it works, um, but it's really, it's not a hard thing. You know, have a discussion about the, the financial side of it and make it accessible because realistically, who can afford a drug that, that costs that much every year? Um, but if it's on the PBS, then it's about $6 a script. So $6, wow. you know. Uh, for, but you know yeah, what? I really do. I see, I sort of agree and sort of disagree. I honestly believe anybody, we all have power. Our voice, mm. if we actually all realise how much power we have because we are 
all have our voice that we can just email or text or make some noise. And when that yeah. comes from a position of of caring, of heart, of desperation, just anybody sitting anywhere across the country, across the globe that honestly puts the effort into it, stuff happens. There's like a supernatural yeah. power behind that intent. So yeah. um, so I re- I'm really I encouraging everybody listening to please – Use your voice. Just get on the social media, um, tag the people that need to hear about it, that we need yeah. it in November to be reviewed for the PBS. We need yeah. that to happen. And we're going to put the minister's names, the prime minister's tags. Just tag them. Just be respectful and say, please, put this across the line. Yeah. They will save lives. You know, it, it's, it's a matter not, of being heard. Being it seen. is. But there are enough um, people that... I mean, raise their voices. If we start believing we can't do anything, that we don't have power, they, you know, yeah. we lose everything. We all have yeah. power. We're all smart enough. We all know enough. People think, oh, I don't want to come out. I'm not smart enough. All you need to say is, please make, and we'll spell it, try, try, try Kafta, available, try Kafta, yeah. It's T-R-I-F-A-T-A, available, that's how it's spelled. Yep, that's how it's spelled. Available <laughs> for Australian citizens. That's all we want. Yeah. So that's all you yeah. need to write. Okay. So anyway, can your story is absolutely incredible. Um, just take, can we take us back to your birth? Because that, that is an interesting and beautiful story in itself. Oh, it's very different, that's for sure. Um, but thank you. Yeah, so um, my birth, I was... When I was born, um, I was obviously diagnosed with cystic fibrosis at birth. Um, for those of you that don't know, every baby that's born is tested now this, um, when they're born for CF as part of the, the newborn testing. Um, so when I was born, um, cystic fibrosis wasn't very common and what people did know it, know of it, even if you were to Google it today, um, it's very scary. But the life expectancy for a CF person back in the day, you know, I was, my parents were told um, I wasn't expected to see my childhood. Now, today, it's sort of the medium range for life expectancy is 37. So I'm nearly 33. 37 is not that far away. Here I am about to answer my But yeah, it's kind of, um, again, leading back to why we need that drug. We need the drug to save us. But I was given up for adoption because my birth parents were told I, was, I wouldn't survive my childhood. And they were not... Um, they were only from Australia from Greece and were not very aware of my illness and the best thing for them to do was to give me up for adoption. So I was only a couple of months old. Um, my mum and dad adopted me. Now, they are the most incredible people. I often talk of them and credit them because without them, I wouldn't be here for so many reasons. Um, my dad himself, I'll give you two stories about him. The first one is he's a paraplegic. Um, when they adopted me, my mum and dad, wanted to adopt a baby with a disability. Now, CF is an invisible disability. Dad's very visible. Um, he's got one leg, one hip, no kidneys. He's dialyzed three times a week. But he has never had his disability be a reason to fail in his life. So he wanted to be, they wanted to be parents. They went through an adoption course and they adopted me. Now, um, fast forward, I'll just tell you a quick story with COVID that's happened. Earlier in March, my dad was involved in a serious car accident. Um, and COVID has left him legless. So now the story I've always told is my dad's got one leg, one hip, no kidneys. Well, my dad has no legs, 
one hit, no kidneys, but he continues to go on and thrive through life. Um, and I'll talk about yeah, why exactly. And the first reason is, you know, when they adopted me, um, I was only a few months old. My dad missed my first birthday. Um, good excuse, though. He was representing Australia in the Seoul Paralympics in uh, powerlifting. So he was a, a he is a Paralympian. Um, but they never adopted me knowing uh, or, or having the fear that I would die or that CF was going to, you know, be a reason for them to love me any less. And my mum often says they embrace cystic fibrosis because that's what brought them me. And we've never, I've never been brought up to um, sort of have CF be a reason to, you know, fail. Like mum's never bubble wrapped me and it's like you fall over, you get back up again. Um, so I've always kind of been brought up with that mindset and seeing what my dad goes through. You know, if he doesn't die alive one day, see the effects very quickly um we'd say yes if i don't do my treatment even though i need it every day if i miss out on a couple of days i don't necessarily feel the effects um straight away but in you know months to come it all starts to i start to crash so when i talk about a daily treatment i'll just give you an idea of what a day looks like for me with cf i wake up i do uh, i do um, inhaled antibiotics so takes about an hour or so in the mornings on a nebulizer um, and all the different drugs that go through there do different things to my lungs. Um, I then go to the gym or go for a, a big walk. Um, when I say a big walk, I'm, I'm talking about a 10-kilometre walk. Um, and that just ha- basically helps open up my airways and allows the mucus in my lungs. If there's anything sort of hovering, it helps me be able to cough it up. Now, normally we'd have physiotherapy. Um, and physiotherapy, the purpose of that for someone with CF is to you know, remove all that um, all that gunk again in the lungs. So as a kid, you know, when I would be in hospital, we would get put on a trampoline for 20 minutes because you're jumping around and it makes you cough. Now as an adult, um, I try and look at normal. And I say normal, let's define what that is really, what even is normal these days. <laughs> but I try and look at something else or alternative um, that doesn't make me feel like a sick person because I definitely don't look sick. Um, but I always, you know, tell people never judge a book by its cover because you do not know the battlefield that goes on in my lungs. So I go for a bit of a run or a walk or, or the gym. Um, and then I, I, every time I eat, I have pancreatic enzymes. So one of the other, um, I guess, downfalls of CS is our pancreas system doesn't work. I don't produce enough pancreas when I eat food, so my food doesn't digest properly. That's the same as our beautiful colleague, yeah. Yeah, so we have, and she would be able to tell you, and you probably see the cocktail of tablets a day. Yes, yeah, <laughs> she has huge, has two handfuls of tablets every day. Yep, yep. Um, and, and if we don't have that, we get a very sore stomach and, you know, the food doesn't digest. So that's sort of the, the main part. And then we do it all again in the afternoon if you're not feeling flush, but you definitely do it again in the evening. So at least twice a day. So it's a full-time job, really. Exhausting. Um, very exhausting and then I'm you know I'm a mother I've got two children um and I get my life in <laughs> with all the other entrepreneurial sort of things that I get up to it's um it's very busy but um going back to my adoption you know fast forward many years later um I accidentally found my birth family here in Adelaide um it sort of throws a bit of a spanner in the works I believed I had died so I found them by accident one uh, one time. I say one time. Uh, I was out one evening and somebody mistook me to be a 
person that I wasn't and the person they thought I was was my biological sister, who's 14 months younger than I am. But long story short, I found my birth family. Oh, no, no. Tell us the long story. This is fascinating. The long story. Okay, I'll give you the long story. Um, so I was out with friends one night. I always laugh at this because, you know, you don't go riding in cars with boys when you're a teenager, but I was. I was with a a couple of girlfriends and um, we got to, I was meant to do the plane home and my mum had trusted me. It was sort of like the first time I was allowed to do this on Monday. Missed the plane, typically. Um, I'm notoriously late all the time. Um, Anyway, I had a friend, a guy friend, who had another friend who said, oh, look, we'll drop the girls home and said, we know you're safe. And I said, oh, all right. So that was fine. Anyway, whilst we were driving along, this guy driving, I didn't know who he was. Um, it was, you know, imagine being in like a taxi. But that's how I think I <laughs> thought of it. He kept looking in the revision mirror and I felt quite uncomfortable. I had two friends with me and um, then he sort of kept saying weird things under his breath and then he asked me what I was doing out so late and I said, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, and he goes, well, why, why are you out so late? And then the other guy said, like, she's obviously not who you think she is. Um and then he pulled over and he said, what nationality are you? I said, well, I'm Greek. And he said, right. And then he started talking some things in Greek to me. And I said, look, I don't understand Greek. Um, and he goes, well, how do you call yourself a wog then? <laughs> and I said, well, we've got a good half an hour drive to my house. I'll tell you the story. So I told him I was given up for adoption. I know I have an older brother, four years older than I am. Um, and you know, I'm from Greece. And you will never believe it, but it turned out that this guy was very good friends with my birth brother. He remembers that he knew my birth brother had a baby sister that died and they light candles every year on her birthday. And I said, but I'm not dead. (gasps) It's me. So they didn't call me Emma. They had another name for me and I told him my name and he um, pulled over again and rang my brother at 11 o'clock on a on the night and said you'll never guess who's in the car explains the situation uh, like the story and I got on the phone to him and he absolutely blasted me and told me I was a, you know I was a sicko basically how would I mess with someone's lives and try and pretend that I'm someone I'm not and I went on to tell him some details that I knew my mum and dad are very um, open and you know with anything I've wanted to know uh, about my adoption. I'm very obviously adopted. My dad's black and I'm white. So we have a bit of yeah. a joke about that. Very obvious in our family photos who the adopted one is. Um, so anyway, after that, he hung up and he didn't want anything to do with me. Um, I think he was in a bit of shock because he said he remembers his sister's funeral. Um, and then I went on to um, good old Google. Um, you can't find it anymore, thankfully, but I put in all the facts that I knew about their name and their surname. Um, and it hit, it, all it took was the search and the enter key, and I found where they lived. So I wrote my birth mum and brother a letter. Um, I had no interest in my birth father at this point because uh, my understanding was that he, I wasn't perfect. I wasn't that perfect baby, that healthy baby. Um, so I was almost a disgrace. And that's what my adoption um, caseworkers would sort of, I had got given a letter um, that my birth mum had written um, from them growing up. And that was sort of, you know, the gist of how the feeling was for me is that he didn't want me. So I had no interest in, in meeting him. 
So I ended up writing my mum and well, my birth mum and birth brother a letter, and they timed it so they both got it. He got his first, and she got her second. So I explained who I was. I really wanted to meet them. Um, I did get advised to have counselling about this because you never know, you know, how to even deal with this situation. But me being strong and stubborn, nope, went in guns blazing. Um, now, the day that my birth mum got her letter, I was actually in our local paper here in Adelaide and it was probably my first modelling gig and it was thinking illness should be in fashion. And it was an article about how visible or invisible disability doesn't mean you can't sort of be on the catwalk and, you know, model. Um, so the day she got that that letter, that picture was, you know, front in the paper and I look exactly like her. So that was the Tuesday, that Friday night. My entire family met my birth family. Um, over the years, you know, without going into all of all of the details of it all, um, I journaled a lot. I kept a lot of it um, to deal with it mentally because there's a lot going on, um, you know, and I didn't want my mum and dad to be sad that maybe these were my mum and dad. And it was a very confusing time in some way as well. Um, it was very difficult. But um, years later... We sort of we um, we became very close at the at the beginning, but then I won a national magazine competition, and um, it was a very emotional time, and things sort of kind of blew out a little bit. Um, and I was obviously the child that was told that they had, they believed had died. We then found out my birth father actually told the family I died that he knew I was alive. So um, all these years of me apparently being dead. Um, you know, I have my brother telling me that he remembers driving past the cemetery with my mum, birth mum, trying to work out which was my tombstone, my well, grave so, hang on a second. So even your birth yeah. mother thought that you were dead? Yep. So when my mum, my, my, my adopted <sighs> parents, who are my mum and dad, and I oh. met her, we were sat in her lounge room and she said, she reenacted it and said, I was sat here when that phone rang to tell me the baby had died. And he and he had orchestrated that. Your birth father had made all that happen. Yeah, he did. Why did he um, do that? Do you know why he so, did that? Yeah, I do. He he wanted to protect her. Um, that's basically the only answer I ever got. To be honest, I'm actually good friends with my birth father now. Believe it or not, um, and I have no hate or anger towards him. Everything I want to know, he answers, and he's just you know I'm I'm actually very grateful that they gave me up for adoption. Oh, yeah. Me too. Beautiful parents. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's been a very, yeah, that was a very big journey. Um, are you so you, are you close to your sister, the, the 14th month old sister, your sister that's younger than you? I'm not. So, oh. so she didn't even know I had existed. Right. Um, and then when I sort of popped up, well, it just threw a massive banner into that family. They're no longer together. Um, it, yeah, it broke the family down, I think, quite a bit. Um, yeah, all the I lies, and this is nothing to do with you. This was just the lies, no. deceit, the cover-up. Yeah. Um, oh, you could only imagine. Yeah. And if you're a parent, you know, losing a baby, not only giving a baby up but losing a baby, I couldn't imagine. So, But then the, then your husband, your spouse lying to you, causing you such shocking pain. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'll never understand it's it. It's devastating. I'll never understand it. But, you know, since becoming a mum myself, I um, have definitely formed different uh, opinions yeah. <laughs> in my own right um, about things, and I'm very content with, to an extent, where where it's all at. I guess um, 
hurt still, probably, and quite sad that things, you know, things don't always plan out how you want them to be. No. Um, but I did have another spanner that jumped on the bandwagon, or oh. spanner in the way to pick things up today. A couple of years, or 2012, I had a girl contact me, and it turned out she's my half-sister here in Adelaide who also has cystic fibrosis. What? So my birth father had a baby with a woman before he met my birth mother in Greece, and had a child with CS before he went on to have more children and a wife. So, yeah, so we we don't actually talk either anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> I think the biggest lesson I've learned is um, in that journey, if you're adopted or not adopted, whatever that, that in that situation is, someone's always going to get hurt. Yeah. And I didn't have much clarity as to what I wanted to come from it. I knew I wanted to meet them, but I didn't know much more than that. Yeah. Um, so, unfortunately... I don't have a relationship with the, I guess, the girls and my brother really, realistically um, or my birth mother. Um, but I do have a relationship with my birth father and he is very welcoming to my family, um, very grateful. Um, I have a lot of guilt, very sad, but I'm often like, you know what, I'm happy and I'm healthy. Why do you have guilt? Can you explain that? Why do I have guilt? Yeah, why do you have guilt? Um. I don't think it's me. Uh, it, it's a, I think I just feel guilty sometimes that I even went down that path to, you know, to open up a whole other can of worms. But at the same time, I think, well, you know, it was going to come out one day, I'm sure. Um, and that's not on me. So, and I often sometimes, you know, in the beginning felt guilty for my mum and dad because I was curious about finding sort of the missing piece of puzzle to my life. Um but you, I've learned to overcome that too. And it's like, you know, I've got these two wonderful parents who I, you know, you love your parents endlessly. So it's just about how I've changed my mindset around it all. Mind over matter, big time. I've learned with this situation. Big time. Wow. Absolutely yeah, crazy, amazing. And so <laughs> apparently people with CF find it, it's very difficult to fall pregnant. Now, yes. obviously not in your case, another miracle and another miracle. You know, two miracles. Yeah. And do your children, obviously you had them tested for CF and how is all yeah. that? So, so men with cystic fibrosis are infertile, basically. Not all of them. I know there's a few cases where there are dads who have CF. IVF is a huge thing that's looked at. Um, the other part of it is um, women find it very hard to conceive. So... We fell pregnant naturally by accident. I laugh about that because I thought I was pregnant every month for a good 12 months. If anyone ever tried to conceive, you get onto the forums. And for me, it was a bit different. So I knew, I sort of woke up one day, knew I wanted to be a mum, as we all do, you know, you can't just go and buy that up the shop, though. <laughs> There's a process involved. Um, I sought the right advice from my medical team um, and Googled a lot, which was very. Um, Oh, it was very disheartening and not encouraging at all. Like, why would you have a baby if you know you're going to die? Things like that, you know. Why would you put a child through that? So having my dad be in a wheelchair and go through what he goes through, I kind of thought, well, I, I don't really see that CF to be a reason why I couldn't be a mum. So what I ended up doing was um, we ended up, like I said before, like accidentally falling pregnant. And when that happened, my health was relatively good. Right. Um, my pregnancy was very good when I had my daughter. Um, yeah. And I started my social media page, CF Mummy, because I wanted to show other women with CF that we could get pregnant, first of all, but also show the realness behind what it looks like 
and not be another scientific um, or medical document. I wanted it to be real because I didn't have anyone to look to, um, even as a as a mum, to see it, um, to sort of see see for advice or anything like that. There was one person that I was able to look at and talk to, and unfortunately, she passed away a few years ago, and she oh. has left two beautiful girls behind. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only a couple of CF mums that I've ever really been in touch with. So anyway, um, I've had two very, very good pregnancies. Both my kids are not, do not have CF. They're both carrying the because I have the full gene, but their dad was not a CF carrier, thankfully. Because if he was, then there'd be the one in four chance that the kids would have cystic fibrosis. So when they have children, they'll just go through genetic testing, I guess. And that's available to anyone to do. Um, you know, CF is very common. One in 25 Aussies carry the gene and are completely unaware. So when my kids have children, hopefully by then we've got this cure. Um, but in the meantime, thankfully, CF, the only way they're affected is by seeing what mummy goes through. So, you know, this morning was a bit, a bit heart-wrenching for me. I've had to explain to them both that mum's going to hospital today. Um, you know, I'm having my needle put in. I'll be home, but you're going to have to look after me and, yeah, it's a very tough conversation, but, you know, as an adult, you can't really put too much of your emotion into it because you need to not yep. make it scary yes. and normalise it. So, oh, look, you're just a doing tough. a fantastic job. I just want to, you know, just <laughs> I really want you to know what an incredible, wonderful, amazing woman you are. Honestly, you really are. And oh, th- those I, kids try, are, I try. <laughs> and those kids are blessed to have you. They really Thank are. You. You're, I think- you're Hello. Hi, Emma. Oh, I don't. I don't know what happened there. Oh, it doesn't off. matter. It doesn't matter. We got cut off. It doesn't matter. We'll leave it in there okay. because that's real life, and you know, shit happens. <laughs> so it, it does. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Um, this is just an absolutely um, incredible, and I, I'm just so honoured that you. That, and everybody listening, I know, will just be blown away by your oh, by your life. I feel and like by I haven't testimony. even told you anything. <laughs> you have. <laughs> what a, well, what about, I like, let's go to how you were one Australian of the Year and also yeah. um, the Prime Minister because did he say to yeah. you, let me know if I can do anything because we're going to take I him did. up on Well, come on, we're going to take him up on that offer. I think so. And it's funny, um, I think this time, so I got a, so do you want me to talk about the Australian of the Year? And then I can tell you about FOMO. <laughs> okay, go, go, go. Yes. So, okay. Um, so one thing I've learned, and this came from the initial fight that I was part of for a, drug, a life-changing drug for CF, which is all can be, right? Three years of campaigning. And again, it's like the power of um, tag all of the different politicians and And finally it worked. Um, so when I, back in November last year, I was very humbled to find out that I was a finalist to the Australian of the Year Award. Um, and then I went on to take the title for the South Australian Local Hero, which was basically like such an honour to be um, recognised for the work that I do within the CF community. And, you know, no one asks me to advocate for CF, but when you have children, you have a whole new reason for living. So I will continuously share my story um, show what it's like having CF to raise awareness, raise money that we need um, for these life-changing drugs and I'll campaign because not everybody has the gift of the gut like myself. Um, <laughs> so I've really learned to use my voice to be a power and, and sort of lead the way where I can. Um, but I've also learned that, uh, you know, no one would know these things without kicking down doors. So 
Um, what I mean by that is, you know, I know what, what we needed amongst a few other people when it was a group of us across the country um, that came together and campaigned. So when I when I was awarded the South Australian Local Hero, I was, did also recognise the work that I do. Um, you know, I mentor a lot of other girls with not only cystic fibrosis, but just young girls, which is a huge, um, you know, again, my voice and, and my story and my lessons that I've learned can be so impactful for someone else. It's amazing to be able to support other people in that sense. So I do a lot of things. Um, I speak in, in schools across the country as well, talking about disability, diversity, anti-bullying. There's a whole range of things that I that I do. So when I won the award, we were flown up to Canberra in February this year before COVID, lovely COVID hit. We had the bushfires happening actually, so one drama to the next. So it was all a bit crazy. Um and I say that because I was all of a sudden around political people, the main one being our Prime Minister, Scott Morrison. Now, what an absolutely lovely man, and he was cutting, getting a lot of slack with his decisions based on what he was doing with the bushfires. So um, we had a, an event on, a couple of events on, but one event in particular, and it was a morning tea at his house. Now, if you've ever been to the Prime Minister's house, because I'm sure you've all been there, um, yeah. <laughs> you would know that there are army security, left, right and centre. Um, it's a very strict place. You're not allowed to take photos in his house from like in his home. So, right. anyway, we were standing around. We did the formal meeting, got my formal photo. But then I really wanted to approach him. It was, I didn't, to be honest, really know what I wanted to say, but I knew I had like a 30-second window where I had to let this powerful person know who I who I was, what I'm about and who I represent, you know, and my why. So when um, I, I approached one of the cameramen and I said, hey, look, I'm going to go up to, to the ScoMo and I'm going to get a photo. And he goes, oh, no, no, just wait your turn. I said, no, because I won't get a turn. Follow me. And I marched straight up to him, tapped him on the shoulder and I said to him um, who I was. He was very shocked and I was very, very impressed. So they normally have someone standing on their side, sort of telling them who's who and yeah. what they're about, some yeah. conversations and stuff. He had no idea. He spoke to me for about 10, 15 minutes. He knew of cystic fibrosis. He remembered a family he'd met in Tasmania. Um, he asked me how I was going and what do I do in a daily basis. He was genuinely interested and then he left it with, if you ever need something, I encourage you, reach out. I'll, I'll see what I can do. We'll help you. I said, you know what, I will hold you to that. And because life has been crazy and it's not until you realise you're sort of standing on the edge and you really need that help, that's when you make the jump. So I think now knowing that we've got this big decision that needs to be made and needs to happen in November, I think it's about time I'll pick up the phone and sort of go my up and Asking for that favour, <laughs> so you absolutely must. You absolutely are going to do that. Do you have his <laughs> phone number? I don't have his number. Can't say that. I've got a couple of other good ones though. Okay, um, I've got a good, a few good contacts. Okay, so um, what we're doing? And I've got so- some photos. So Great. It's a matter of plastering these photos of me with him. I'm presuming we could do that. Yes, and, and say, t- tagging him. If I needed a favour, here, he, you know, bring the attention. To the cause, um, and with that, that whole journey with this end of the year, um, you know, I had to learn. One of his, one of the prime minister's people had actually said to me, "You need to realise that it's not an egotistical thing." Because I struggled a lot with, you know, the compliments um, 
and that you're doing such a great job. But it was that you're carrying the flag for so many. And you are. by being a voice for hundreds, for thousands, and when I say thousands, it's not just the CF people, it's their families, it's their friends, it's the staff. So, yeah, I hold a flag. You are, you're a forerunner. You're a forerunner. And, and I'm more than happy to have everyone come to the foreground with me and let's do it all together. Yeah. So it's so important. So I think we've got, it's just about, you know, I might not necessarily have all the ideas, um, but I might have a contact and I've got the, you know, it's about all of us putting our powers together and creating one yes. hell of a potion to blow it up. Yeah, we're, we're, we're blowing it up this week. Don't you worry. We are blowing yes. it. We are I'm bringing excited. it. I'm really okay. excited too. I'm really excited. But, um, okay, so, oh, my God, I feel like we need to have part two of this podcast <laughs> because the, part two will be, we got it. I'm we, exactly. Oh, no. I never. Justin Bieber. <laughs> oh, my God. Never never. It's going to happen. It is going to happen, okay, and we all need you to help us. So um, we've got yeah. – we'll leave all the show notes who to tag, but Greg Hunt is one, the Minister of Health. If you mm-hmm. can go, um, oh, don't, does he have a? We'll, we'll let you know if he has a social media page. You just um, email him. Just be polite. Um, you know, we don't want yeah. everyone just raging we at these people. We can't be nasty. We can't be nasty. We want to get them on side. We, we want this drug available for Australian CF sufferers. I think it's important as well for people to share their own, even if it's like a paragraph. You know, when you post a photo and tag these people in it. You know, it's about showing them the real raw side of it all. It's yes. like, yes, we need this drug, but why? You know, for me, yeah. my kids need to see their mum growing up. They don't want to see mummy attached to a machine every day. Um, you know, I want to have life. I want quality of life. I want to be able to do that with my kids. So for me, that brings that realness behind it, that uh, why I need it. You know, I have seen too many friends be buried in the ground over the years, and now I'm not in position to feel okay that that potentially could be my kids burying me. So right. it's hard, but it's the truth. The it reality. is the truth. It is the truth. Yeah. So we're going to campaign because people have power. You listening have power. That's all we yeah. ask, just two minutes of your time, just to do something on social media, tag um, Scott Morris. What's his Insta? We'll put it in our show notes anyway, but um, I'm just talking to my producer here. Can I just say what his Insta is? Um, or his Facebook, just a polite wit. So we need trifecta. Oh, well, we also, what is it? Tri- I think it's trifecta. trifecta. You I'm say trifecta, my producer's saying trifecta. Trifecta. I've heard a few ways. It's not trifecta. I'm thinking of horse racing. Yeah. Trifecta. Okay, we don't Definitely like horse racing not. either. Okay, so we've got, <laughs> no. his, is that his Instagram? Okay, that's really good. Um, so what's it called? Just Scott. Scott Morrison MP, um, if you guys can all just jump on that, be polite. That, and how you spell it is T R I F A. Am I doing it right? Okay. T R I K A F T A. So we need that drug to be available on the PBS, which in, in other words, that, that's the pharmaceutical benefit scheme, which means yeah. it's affordable for CF sufferers. Just so, just want to make that really, really clear so people know exactly what it is we're requiring of them to do. So if you can do Greg Hunt, which is the yeah, Minister of Health. The big one. If you Greg's can also, lovely. 
Okay. And if you can also do Scott Morrison and there is another couple of people and we're doing a massive press release this week, the project, all the shows, um, I'm sending out EDMs to all like our database, which is over 500,000 people. Uh, we're going wow. crazy, making some noise um, wow. as well. And like, you know, it's a blessing to us because we didn't know much about it until, you know, we just hired a young wildflower and mm-hmm. um, she has cystic fibrosis. And as we're saying, you know, and I've sort of been, you know, talking to her and listening to everything that she says and that's opened our eyes. And I thought, well, we can't just go – you know, I don't know. We can't just do nothing. I'm not just going to sell no. sell tan and organics for the whole of my life. I don't well, believe that's like that's a, and you know, it's like, it just shows that um, I always say CF people have an energy about them. Yeah, they and do. She's obviously, got such a beautiful energy around her to then do that ripple effect. It's now affected you guys, and now look what you're doing. You're wanting to jump on and help us make a difference um, and be heard. So thank you. This is amazing, and to everyone listening, you know, it's without the power of each other. We, we can't make a difference without the power of one another joining forces. Absolutely. So it's amazing. Absolutely. Well, Emma, we'll yeah. let you go because you've got a massive day ahead, but God bless you. I do. God so if anyone you. wants to watch what I get up to, <laughs> jump on my, my socials on Insta, CF Mummy, because I will put some stuff up on there too. We'll work together over the coming weeks, but you'll see what it actually looks like from the hospital perspective. It's not always pretty. I'm known to have a few tears and drop a few F-bombs. So. That's fine. That, <laughs> listen, my listeners are used to me. F-bombs, C-bombs, they've heard it all. Oh, good. It's an explicit You're, podcast. Well it's just together. keeping this shit real. Now, um, and the other things, tag us because we'll share your things yes. on EcoTan as well. But God bless you, yes. you beautiful Emma. We are, we're a team. We're with you. I'm so excited to have you guys on board. I think we're in for a good chance here. We are in for a good chance. God bless. Bye, Emma. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. So until next time, tribe, I'm jumping out of the passenger seat, closing the door, going inside and having a vino. Let's get together real soon. God bless.